You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Media Group podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. On today's episode, I sit down with Scott Keplinger, CEO of IntelliSE, the real-time artificial intelligence AI risk mitigation platform, working to detect and mitigate threats before an incident occurs by using a company's existing passive surveillance cameras. Scott shares with me how his passion for businesses that solve real needs has informed his work, his thoughts on how AI will change our lives the same way cell phones did, and how his team is working to use technology to create a safer world. Scott also discusses a number of real use cases for how their company uses AI to save other companies money and reduce risk, how their unique partnership with the UI will continue to grow, and how his team is setting ethical boundaries to make sure that the Terminator film never becomes reality. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat. We've been doing these conversations now with the Corridor Business Journal uh, via this platform for, for real success for almost four plus years, Had, you know, 50, 70 or so folks on um, in that time. And I don't know as though there's a, a conversation or uh, a person that's more timely than this. If You, you don't have to go far uh, on any business podcast or any article within the Wall Street Journal or whatever your source of your daily kind of national, international business news is without stumbling across artificial intelligence and the, you know, of course, with the onset and rapid um, expansion of chat GPT and all of those sort of things. It's it's the talk of, of the business world without a doubt. And you all are here building an incredible company that was born out of the University of Iowa in terms of a telesy that where artificial intelligence is really the backbone of that company. So it's it's great to have you here. It, it, I'm excited to a, learn a lot from you. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that seems a little bit of like a black box, right? Like what is artificial <laughs> intelligence? A lot of questions from people around, you know, locally, what does it mean for the economy locally? What does it mean for my job even? What does it mean for who's working where, how work is done? So there's, there's certainly a lot to unpack, but it, it's, it's exciting to have you, have you here and, uh, and learn a little bit more about artificial intelligence and, and how a telesy has been born here right right in the corridor. But maybe we can just st- start a little bit, Scott, with um, your personal story. And uh, I know you've got, you know, background in, in venture capital here within the state. And then, you know, what led you, how'd you get started in in, in tech startup companies and venture capital? And what, what's led you here to IntelliSea? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Nate. Um, I'm excited to have our discussion today. So I think to your point, we're doing some really amazing things. And the future is incredibly bright for some of these emerging technologies. Um, you know, to your question, um, and I'll go way back. I'm actually an Iowa native, so born and, and raised here. Like a lot of people moved out of the state for uh, about a decade, started having kids and moved back. Yep. Um, traditionally in the in corporate roles where I ultimately was managing P&L and large firms, uh, large teams, those things. I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, 
And I think part of that is I'm highly analytical, but also creative. And so um, my business partner happens to be my neighbor and a very good friend of mine. Uh, we actually started Asymmetria Group a decade ago after successfully doing the same kind of things for ourselves as investors. Sure. Right. Now, we saw the opportunity to turn that into a business itself. That then gave us plenty of opportunity to see all kinds of uh, deals uh, ranging from venture capital all the way to distressed debt and, and other more traditional investments. The uh, and, and then sitting on the board of some of these amazing startups uh, helps as well. But what's fascinating to me is just really the the structure of businesses and are they solving a real need? Mm -hmm. If they're solving a real need and then they're executing against that, then you have a tremendous opportunity. And I feel that we're doing that here because uh, we're kind of running that same playbook on, hey, what problems are we solving and how are we solving them? And then uh, the rest are a lot of uh, kind of Harvard Business Review strategies implemented with a lot of blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to put it lightly. Well, let's start there. What in terms of IntelliSea, what is the problem that IntelliSea is solving? Yeah, so, um, and forgive my long answers on this, the, the company's name is Malum Terminus Technologies, okay, and that's a namesake from a Department of Defense project uh, done with the University of Iowa. I had to look up what that meant, okay, so Malum Terminus, yep. that's Latin for stopping bad, okay, Malum is evil or bad and Terminus is terminated, right? um, that's uh, what the problems we're trying to solve, and we're doing that through our product IntelliSea. So the problems we're trying to solve are, hey, every organization faces all kinds of risks and threats. You know, we're, we're in the safety and risk industry, and that's actually our mission. Our mission is to create a safer world. We have the audacity to think that we can create a safer world. We're using amazing technology to do that. The problems that, you know, range from what we call the common to the catastrophic the catastrophic, unfortunately, I mean, it, it, it. you cannot read the news today without seeing the latest shooting. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's what motivates us. It keeps us awake at night, but also gets us up in the morning. But those aren't the only things that organizations face. In fact, the odds are almost zero that there'll be a shooting in an organization. It's just when it happens, it's catastrophic. Absolutely. What it what every organization faces are things like trespassing, slip and falls, sl solo workers, vehicles not being where they're supposed to be, all those normal day-to-day -day things. So if you think about that, as the, those are the problems we're trying to solve at the high level. Underneath that, the problem to the problem is everybody has surveillance cameras today, mm -hmm. but nobody's using them. And forgive me, when I say nobody's using them, they're not using them for real-time stopping and preventing stuff they're using them for after the fact forensics sure capture video yep. yeah capture video tell me what happened mm -hmm. right and that's all rear view mirror we're trying to flip that on its head to say no these your existing assets and in many organizations have spent millions of dollars on those assets flip them on their ear and actually turn them into proactive risk mitigation tools hmm. and so we're automating the active monitoring of live surveillance wow. through our technology. Walk me through a, a case study in, in real time. So let's say you and I own a, a convenience store and we have your technology, we have a video camera and IntelliSea's technology on the back end. What are some ways that the technology in real time can, can assist the business when there's a, a you know, trespasser, shoplifter or whatever may be happening? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, have some experience in convenience retailing. Retailing is fascinating. That's one of the absolute use cases in our, uh, in fact, we're seeing some momentum in grocery retailing because of all the slip and falls. Uh, I've got a story later too that might be near and dear to your heart because of our um, relationship with the university. Mm -hmm. The very first alert at Kinnick, oh, as wow. an example. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm a convenience store operator, you know, I'm facing all kinds of challenges. Um, top of those actually is labor right now. Right. It's very hard um, to attract and retain staff. Um, convenience retailers are open in many cases late into the evening and very early in the morning. Yep. In some of those cases, then they have solo workers. And that is one of the most dangerous. It's called risk exposure, highest exposure issues that every organization faces. And it's increasing. And so think through then the use cases on that. What happens if the solo worker abandons their job? Sure. Okay. So if you have a camera and, and they do, generally they're going to have between 15 to 20 cameras per store. Yep. If you have a camera that's facing there, uh, we can alert you to say, hey, where where is Joe? Where's the person? No one's been behind it, the cash register for 10 minutes. Something's going on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's one Interesting. use case. You know, another use case is what happens when somebody falls? Yeah. Okay. And so that is the most common incident. We have a lot of relationships with insurance, both carriers as well as uh, insurance brokers. They like us because if we prevent just one of those, that saves $50,000 right there. And if you're a self-insured organization, that comes right out of your bottom line. Wow. Well, our philosophy on that is, well, can you prevent the fall by addressing the cause of the fall first? So we can detect uh, slip risks. Hmm. So is there a spill on the ground? Um, is there something that somebody would fall on? We can also detect falls, and so people fall for a variety of reasons. But first, prevent the fall from happening by addressing the slip risk. If the fall happened, whether it's because they slipped and fell, tripped and fell, uh, had a medical issue, you need to get help there immediately. Yeah. And that'll what's called mitigate the severity of the claim. That also, I mean, we have horror stories. Um, we have a uh, one of the largest school districts, several large school districts are using our system, but one locally there shared with us that uh, they had a solo worker, mm -hmm. not, not uncommon, janitor in an elementary school that had a medical issue, collapsed on the ground and laid there for eight hours. Oh, geez. Because the question becomes, what happens when you can't get help yourself? Right. And forgive me if I get emotional today. Again, it drives us. We can literally save lives. Mm -hmm. um, the University of Iowa had that unfortunate situation during the polar vertex in 2019 where a student froze to death. Yeah. We could have saved I remember that, that kid's life. Yeah. And what's the story from Kinnick Stadium? You said you had had one that had popped up. <laughs> and Intel C is in Kinnick Stadium. That's a that's a. They're, yes. They're using, yes. So using the, the University product. of Iowa, um, because you know, in essence, I consider us a part of the university, and they've been tremendous partners. Um, the they were our first beta site. Okay. Now I always tease them. They were our second paying customer because um, of the elongated procurement process in any major university. But um, the very first alert we sent out uh, was a trespass situation in Kinnick. Hmm. And um, a little bit more background. It was like a streaker um, or something coming in on a you know <laughs> late night run through, scoring a touchdown. Kind of <laughs> not yet, right? Yeah. I mean, you got that beautiful tiger hawk on the you know, 50 yard line. That's the most valuable asset yeah. to the university on Saturday mornings, right? So, Absolutely. But um, for the Big Ten, they have to do a security sweep um, before every game. Yep. And so, you know, back when you played, you'd uh, have like maybe seven home games in mm -hmm. a season. Well, those security sweeps would occur on Wednesdays. Then they would staff with overtime 
seven guards uh, up until uh, the game day. Yep. So with IntelliSe, and this is why they started with Kinnig, with IntelliSe, once we put that in, not only did they get 24-7, 365 coverage, and in fact, that trespasser was caught, I think, on a Monday at 2 a.m. off-season. Hmm. They were also able to reduce the number of guards, in essence, to one. And that savings alone was over $150,000 a year. Right. And so that's an example. The, the cheesy line I like to use is safe organizations save. Sure. And that's really important when it comes to labor efficiency, particularly in these uh, challenging hiring times, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, threat prevention. We've caught no less than two dozen people trying to cut into a fence to steal some exterior uh, stored materials, building materials, copper. Hmm. Right. We have probably 50 different examples of how the university has benefited from our services. Right. That's amazing. Going back to the university, I think oftentimes we forget here in the corridor, especially, you know, we have the University of Iowa and, of course, Coe and Mount Mercy and Cornell and Mount Vernon. These universities are great places to come educate folks, but they're also incredible engines for business ideas and and Mm -hmm. proprietary information and new technologies that become uh, privatized and commercialized. Talk a bit about the origin story of IntelliSe and how it was born out of the university and the and the research that was happening there. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, all of us are very concerned about the school shootings, mm-hmm. and that that was ultimately the inspiration for this. And when you look at what the University of Iowa is doing with K twelve education and all the mental health, there's tremendous synergies there. Yep. Uh, some brilliant folks um, got together and said, okay, what can we do about this? Then they reached out to some business folks like Dick Ferguson, myself, my partner, Greg, uh, and said, hey, we, we've got this idea. What do you guys think? And we were so enthralled with the idea that, you know, we decided to seed the, seed the firm. Uh, we also said, hey, we're going to put professional management in, um, you know, and that's very important because each of these amazing universities, they're truly, you know, engines for research and insight and breakthrough stuff. But an idea is, you know, as an investor, an idea is worthless if you don't have a way to execute it. Yeah. And so you have to make those two things work. Entirely different and skill set, right? There's the the researcher absolutely. and then there's the the business folks that, that execute on the on the plan. Yeah. In fact, I mean, some early ideas were, hey, can you shoot tear gas on a on a shooter, right? An assailant. And it's like, okay, that's interesting, but what happens if there's a false positive and all of a sudden you spray a bunch of third graders <laughs> with tear gas? Right? Yeah. So you'll have the pragmatic come out too. Right? Sure, so, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, in there then, in 2020, ultimately, we built proof of concept, mm-hmm. right? what I call alpha product. And the technology that we build is fantastic. Uh, we then in 2021 did live betas. Okay, so like the University of Iowa is an example. Yep. Then in 2022, uh, back half of that is when we started commercializing. And so we actually build out a distribution network. We have a growing distribution network. Um, we've secured additional uh, capital. Um, you may have seen the Iowa Economic Development Authority. They're big fans of us. So mm-hmm. they're tremendous partners. Uh, we were just awarded half a million dollars there because they understand our mission and like what we're doing as well. So, so technically, does the university... Talk a bit about the university. Do they have an equity stake in IntelliSe? Like, how, how does that how does that work on an ongoing basis when a, a technology uh, or business that that comes from research that's that's happened at the at, 
at an institution like the University of Iowa? How does that work technically? Yeah, so uh, what's fascinating to me, there, there's several different paths. And um, it's a little unique to Iowa um, because within the state of Iowa, you've also got land-grant universities like Iowa State and those kind of things. Yep. The, the laws actually had to be changed, and they were most recently changed for uh, the university to directly invest into companies like ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that, that, those discussions are starting because that law just changed. The other paths are, though, through the uh, University of Iowa Research Foundation. Okay where that can range from, hey, we're gonna license some technology to, hey, we're gonna go patent some things, all the way to, um, hey, we just want uh, to use the University of Iowa name. Sure. Now, in, in our case, we have a tremendous relationship across uh, both the, the research foundation and the university itself, which includes the hospital. Uh, there are active discussions right now on how to further that. Um, so I, I can't go into too much detail. Um, but that partnership very likely will expand beyond what it is today. So. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's just, it's there as this, as this behemoth that we all know it to be the University of yeah. Iowa, but it also as a huge economic driver. It's, and this is a, oh, a perfect, absolute. perfect example well, of that. Nate, Nate, to your point, right? All, all these research, all these institutions, they're driving economic growth, mm -hmm. right? And that's actually part of their mission. A lot of folks um, in front of the curtain, don't know that they think it's just about the education side, but there's also all this infrastructure around federal dollars and state dollars coming into fund research. And then all these large institutions have functions and part of their mission is to turn research into industry. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fascinated by that because it, it works, right? I mean, you can see that with the state, you can see that with the, the major universities, the private colleges. Um, it's a tremendous asset to the to the state overall. Yeah, and I think it's a big unknown just for a lot of us just in the in the corridor. And I think you know we all can do a better job of telling that story as can the university, right? There's just so much yeah. so much there that that's going on and that's happening. Talk a bit about and tell us see where you all at in your business journey right now. You'd mentioned you know there's some seed money. Are you guys going into a, a Series A kind of round? Are you guys pre revenue, post revenue? How many? Talk a bit about some of the those technical aspects of where you're at in your startup journey. Yeah, um, so like a lot of startups, we're now emerging into um, what's exciting is the growth phase. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at startups overall, um, they're fraught with risk um, because you're trying new things and those kind of things. We've gotten through probably the riskiest period because you have to spend a lot of money to actually create a technology in this case that can be shown, <laughs> like proof of concept, well, all those are sunk costs, right? Because you're not going to get a single dollar of revenue until it's actually implemented and people are like excited enough to actually pay you. Sure. Now, um, so through there, right, think of uh, kind of 2020, 2021, kind of the seed round. We're in a bridge round right now because uh, for those of you in your audience that are familiar, the, the uh, VC market softened significantly yep. uh, last summer. Um, in our space, we're going to get a premium on our valuation because we're in AI. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, which is very important. You're riding our that wave at the model, yeah, perfect time there for sure. Yeah. Our business model is software as a service, which translates to annual recurring revenue mm -hmm. where you get premiums on those as well. And so we're actually pushing off a series A probably until 2024, 2025. Okay. When we can get that valuation as high as possible based on annual recurring revenue. Uh, the other thing in our business will be uh, renewal rates. We're at 100% right now, which is fantastic, but it's an extremely low base, right? Because yeah. we really just started commercializing. So. 
How many of you mentioned, you know, obviously, early innings in terms of the commercialization and, and users and, and revenue? How, how many people are on the platform now? How many businesses? Yeah, uh, just over 20 installations right now. And these installations, you know, range from very large organizations to a, a jail for all say. I mean, and I'll explain um, the 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 carrier uh, product. Think of it as the bagel for our cream cheese or surveillance mm -hmm. cameras. Yep. Right. Everybody has surveillance cameras now. Okay. 15 years ago, that might not have been the case. Now everybody has it. So our product is ubiquitous, right? It's like everybody should use it. Everybody needs it, which is fantastic for addressable market. Yep. It's horrible for focus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Um, so what we've done, uh, two things. One is we build out a distribution network of, uh, they're called systems integrators. There's a whole industry around, hey, selling in the fire alarms, selling in the um, access controls, even the, the cameras and the systems themselves. Then this channel actually makes them all talk together. That's why they're called systems integrators. Okay. By going through that channel, then, you know, they're the closest to that end customer right now. And so that's an example of how, uh, you know, a jail is using our system. Well, we, we weren't going out and targeting jails, but one of our distributors had a relationship and sold it into a jail. Right. What we're targeting, uh, you know, our first priorities are really around education, both higher ed and K-12. Uh, healthcare, several hospitals are using our system and then an emerging segment of retail. Right behind that, uh, because we have a lot of relationships with insurance, um, will be houses of worship. Mm -hmm. And think of that as driving kind of our, um, you know, the awareness generation that we're doing our focused messaging and those kind of things. Yeah. Now, the other side we do, um, and I'm sorry, I'm visual, I know we're not showing up, but you know, if on this side, if you got the organ, the end client in the middle, mm -hmm. and we're very customer centric, right? That's the culture we're trying to drive. On this side, you've got those systems integrators talking with the head of safety, the IT groups, et cetera. On the other side, we're coming in through risk, where we have a, a growing network of insurance brokers sure. and then several large carriers that uh, are exploring, some are investing, um, using our system, promoting our system. That's important because they're coming into the CEO, CFO, uh, those kind of things. And those risk functions ultimately are the ones that see the savings right away. Sure. And they're telling some of their clients or customers or that that they insure, hey, you should check these guys out. They got something that's pretty powerful. Maybe it could be yeah. a tool for you to save money or prevent incidences and those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's also where, um, you know, we call it the risk matrix, but that's a, a key concept in risk and insurance, all those things. How likely is a bad thing to happen? And then if it happens, how bad is it? Yeah. And that drives a ton of our product strategy because we have one platform that protects against a whole bunch of things all at once. Yeah. And that's where we say common to catastrophic coverage. So awesome. Well, it's that's the this is the fun stuff now, right? That growth stage. Yeah. You know, the the seed has been planted, the technology's there, and it's gonna be gonna be fun to watch you all uh grow and 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 get the product out into the into the world and watch watch more users take it on. Let's Let's go backwards a little bit. I really want to un unpack kind of artificial intelligence just from your perspective. I mean, you guys are are in the weeds, on the ground, you know, working with a, a product that where artificial intelligence lives at the at the center of it. Just for everybody out, me included, obviously, just out here listening. What artificial intelligence? How do you define it? What is it? What should we all be aware of? I mean, it's out there. Everybody's talking about it. It's people are saying it's going to change business and change the world the same way that the internet did. Yeah, 20 plus however many years ago, right? So 
what what is it? What should we all know about it right now? Um, and how is it going to impact us uh, in the in the near term and and five, ten, fifteen, twenty years out? That's that is yeah. a very loaded question. I totally understand <laughs> that, but I mean, it's I, I'd love to hear about it from your perspective of someone here locally in our economy that's that's at the forefront. Yeah. Well, uh, first and foremost, you know, from my perspective, like anything, you know, you'll think of it as fire. Fire can heat your home, cook your food or burn down your home, right? It's like yeah. all of these amazing, powerful tools, um, you know, they, they create a better world uh, when you apply them in, in, in the right way. And um, what's fascinating about artificial intelligence, you know, as the name implies, intelligence means you're learning, right? And there's all kinds of versions of this. The most advanced is what's called deep learning. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. And that's, uh, for those of you guys familiar, that's like the chat GPT kind of stuff. Sure. What um, what I do want to remind folks, um, well, a couple things. One is the math has been there for quite a while. It's the computing power, right, that that is caught up mm-hmm. um, because we're managing, in our case, trillions of pixels, and those are just zeros and ones uh, on like our screen. The, the screens you and I are looking at right now are millions of pixels. Right. But the processing power to actually analyze all those in real time is what's caught up. Interesting. Yeah. Now, um, across that spectrum of artificial intelligence, because it's definitely quite the buzzword uh, appropriately, but that also leads to some confusion. You know, on one end of the spectrum is I'd call it rules based or machine learning. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, if this happens, then do this. Right. If then kind of stuff. Yep. On the other end of the spectrum is this deep learning where instead you're saying, hey, computer, here's a bunch of stuff. In our case, here's a bunch of visual data. Mm hmm. Now, in some of this data, we're going to tell you what it is. So that's a cell phone. That's a handgun. That's a spill on the ground, right? That's a car. Yeah. Now, this other big set, we're not going to tell you that. You're going to figure it out. Yeah, there's some nuance there. Like they're, yeah, interpreting things that are happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the learning process. It's called training, right? So you're training the AI against a validation data set. And what it does then is it checks, hey, did I get it right? Oh, I didn't get it right. Okay, let me try again. And it does that over and over and over again until it gets it right. Yeah. And then, because in visual space here, there's literally an infinite number of combinations, right? It's like, hey, this camera is at 50 feet. This one's at 10 feet. You know, the scene changed, the lighting additions changed, all that. So it has to be highly adaptable right? or generalizable in our case. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gets smarter, right? Because we have processes that backgrounds matter, as an example. So we feed in to our neural network hey, here's the background of the next installation. Plus we feed in, there's going to be in this space, these are predictions. So, you know, at times it's going to get it wrong. It's going to be what's called a false positive or a false negative. Right. Well, that's tremendous insight where we feed that back in and then it continues to learn from those mistakes. And so we have a team of computer vision engineers that all they're doing is they're turning these dials and grabbing more data and trying to figure out how do we make it even better. Yeah. And it continues to get better. The, the cheesy line I use is it's not like a car engine where the more you drive a car engine, right, the more likely it's going to break down. With an AI engine, particularly ours, the more you drive it, the smarter and better it gets. Right. It's fascinating stuff. What do you, to say the least, what, there's some danger behind it, though, too, right? Like it's almost intimidating and in the, in the, you know, the the deep learning and the these AI tools, I mean, that's sort of the, you start going down that rabbit hole of, hey, it's great. You go on chat GPT and 
give me 10 ideas for my 12 year old's <laughs> birthday, you know, like, and that kind of pulls those sort of things out. But then you start thinking about, Hey, if this thing, you know, bank fraud and what, oh, you know, sure. what, what, I mean, you could go down a litany of, of, of things where, where AI can be detrimental to society. It's moving at such a rapid pace. It feels like, I mean, talk a bit about that existential threat that it, that AI sure. has in terms of the negatives that it could become. So I'm old enough where um, I was in, enthralled with the first Terminator movie. Okay. Yes, right. <laughs> the, that's not going to happen. I mean, there, there's a spectrum of people, right, a, a fringe that, that are worried about that. Um, and, you know, appropriately, you want to make sure you have the proper guidelines. But, you know, as I mentioned, it's like fire where, hey, we can use, we want to use it to heat our house. Sure. That's where the ethical boundaries come in. Um, as an example, facial recognition. Mm -hmm. Now, we have chosen not to do facial recognition because of the ethical concerns, but also the pragmatic concerns. You don't need it for what we're doing, first off. Right. Uh, second off, there's regulatory things like in, um, in schools, FERPA, okay, which is, in essence, privacy around the students and stuff. Right. HIPAA, right? Meta so... Our approach is you don't need facial recognition. We're not going to do facial recognition. Um, you may have heard the horror stories where the communist Chinese government was using facial recognition uh, for uh, to track down and arrest Uyghurs, mm -hmm. right? Ethnic cleansing, in essence. So the horror stories um, are real out there if it's used inappropriately and not regulated. Right. Now, there are ethical uses of facial recognition. As an example, and we don't do this. This is not our space. But um, some schools, if you walk in, you can actually like put your face by a camera for the door to unlock mm -hmm. because it recognizes you as an employee or there's a database behind it that says, I'm sorry, that guy's on the bad list. Do not let that person in. Yeah. And to me, that's an ethical use of it. So Sure. Let's look out in the future. Let's say two years. What what will AI change about our daily? I mean, you hear, like I said, you hear all the the commentary about how fast this is changing the world and business. Two years from now, what can someone out in the world, you know, or even here in the corridor, expect to see the biggest change? What what's good, what, what what's the biggest kind of change to our daily lives that we can expect AI to bring? How is the world yeah. going to be different two years from now because of AI? Yeah, you know, from my perspective, it'll be very similar to the cell phone. Um, and again, I'm old enough that, hey, when the first phones came out, there were these big clunky things and you made phone calls on them. Yeah, the big bag in um, your car. And, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now I'm, I'm doing everything on my phone, including opening my garage door and those kind of things, where it's just now embedded into my daily life. Sure. To the point where I don't even notice it. And I think that's what you'll see with a lot of this AI to just make everybody's lives easier. Mm -hmm. Or in our case, it'll make um, lives safer, organizations safer, uh, which then will lead to, you know, uh, higher cost efficiencies, higher cost effectiveness uh, in a way leveraging existing assets. Yeah. And all of those are good things. Right. Um, now, a little nerdy behind the scenes, what you're going to see is a continued um, evolving of the ability to learn more rapidly mm -hmm. and across a wider variety of environments. What's kind of interesting in our space, we video data, live streaming, right, of a, of a surveillance video, that's incredibly dense data. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, well, that's why these cameras are not, they don't go up to the cloud, right? The bandwidth is not there. Well, fast forward 10 years, the bandwidth will be there, right? And so a lot of what we're doing with the local inside a firewall, 
processing will be remotely processed, or you want the option where you're not remotely processing because we actually have some organizations that are saying we want zero internet connection. Right. And so you're going to see more choice around that kind of stuff too. Absolutely. What advice do you have? A lot of folks that, that listen here and just around, you know, obviously being with the quarter of business journal readers of the publication as well. What advice do you have for either small business owners or folks that are working within an existing company for how they, you know, how to start to learn about how AI can better optimize and make their business more efficient or how, how, how AI can be a tool to help their business be more successful? What, where do you start to you know, thinking about it? Or, you know, it feels like we're living in this kind of dust cloud right now where it's out there, but, you know, it's hard to kind of see exactly where to, where to latch onto it for a person's particular business. I mean, is, do you have any advice for folks around that? Yeah. You know, um, what's that old line work in the business or work on the business? Yep. Um, you know, what I'd suggest is folks are in the day to day all the time. Take some time. Maybe it's every day for half an hour to step out and just think. And one of those things to think about are where are my pain points? Okay. Cause you know, a lot of times we put our own constraints in because we just, we're like, okay, we've always lived with that. We're just going to uh, accept that and move on. But if you stop and think about those pain points and then ask yourself, well, why? Mm -hmm. And is there anything out there? And if you do some very quick Googling or you reach out to your partners or companies like ourselves, we can quickly tell you, well, here's how these kind of solutions, not just ours, but others right. are addressing those pain points. Yeah. And then it's a matter of, well, is that enough of a pain point to explore further? And right, implementing things is always a challenge, right? Because you're so busy on the day to day. And those yeah. Kind of things. And it's to your first point, just to kind of bring it back full circle. I mean, there's so much energy, venture capital money pouring into these AI startups that there's people out there that have identified the exact problems you are encouraging people to look for in their business. And now people are taking AI and forming startup businesses that one day will help solve those problems for those companies. So you, it get it gets pretty exciting pretty quick when you start thinking about it that way. People, you know, you could every every business owner has a list of things that are either yeah. take up too much of their time or cost too much money or are clunky yep. in different ways. So it's it's exciting to think about how from a business perspective AI is going to be such a tremendous tool as we Oh yeah, and then, in the years and then to come. you know, things like what you're doing here, they ultimately create uh, some matchmaking because of awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, again, I'm old enough that when eBay came out, it was fantastic because it was matching a buyer and a seller very efficiently and rapidly. Yeah. Right. And so yep. it's like, well, how do you match the need to the solution to the need on a on a fast basis? So. Yeah. Talk a bit about Scott, if you can, the pros and cons of starting and growing a business like Intellisy in Iowa. We're not the Silicon Valley, obviously, we're not one of these right. other Austin, you know, tech hotbeds. What what makes we, we hit on one, obviously, the correlation with the University of Iowa. What makes this a the place to grow in Tennessee? And then, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the things that that you, you run into here that you wouldn't if you were if you were somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. Um, the list of pros are much longer than cons, by the way, which is fantastic. Um, I know I'm biased, right, because I've been born and raised here, um, lived in the Midwest most of my life. One of the core things is the authenticity of people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's very important because as, as any company starting up, you want clear, direct feedback. Now, in the Midwest in particular, Iowa particularly, that feedback will be very friendly, 
but it'll be unfiltered. Like, hey, here's what I like, here's what I don't like. Yeah. That's critical. Plus, you know, a handshake matters still here, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. Um, the other pros are, you know, it's it's a a much better cost of living, you know, because a lot of the technical hubs uh, here in the United States, whether it's, you know, the Bay Area, New York, Austin, the cost of living there is quickly Ridiculous. outstripping the talent. Yeah, no, this someone that lived in Southern California for 10 years. I trust me. I, I totally appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and then even little things like, okay, when people here complain about traffic, it's because they were 10 minutes late. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Go, go sit yeah. on the I five, you know, on a four o'clock on a Tuesday for I know 90 uh, minutes, beating your head against the dashboard. 14. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. No fun. <laughs> totally. I'll take it. I'll take an I 80 backup, you know, on the three eighty interchange, any, any sort of any day. That's right. Right. That 10 minute delay on the mix master. Right? Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, um, on the con side, it's a little bit of the inverse where, OK, um, you have to do some explaining, right, because we're not we're not the cachet brand for technical talent, if you think of it that way. Right. But those that are willing to listen, then they get it very quickly because these are very intelligent people. In addition, um, with today's economy and environment, you don't have to live here. Right. It's, it's nice if you do, because it's a wonderful place to live, particularly if you're uh, starting a family. It's a wonderful place to start a family, but you don't have to. Right. And so, you know, we, we can be very flexible on those kind of things. Um, the other piece then is because of the, the technical trying to bring in the talent, what we're doing is we're spending more on things like uh, immigration services mm -hmm. and bringing in talent that way. Um, because uh, there it's like, okay, that's another value add that we can do to attract the talent that we need for these kind of very detailed, very advanced technologies. So. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm always amazed uh, looking at the local economy, whether it's, you know, just talking to friends and folks, you look back, you know, probably one of the, the great, certainly the last 20, 30 years, success stories, economic development success stories of the corridors, integrated DNA technologies, you know, born. Oh, yeah born out of the university and now literally, if not the number one private sector employer in Johnson County, certainly has to be up there, a thousand plus employees and, you know, just acquired by uh, Dana Her, obviously internationally respected biomed, med tech holding company. I mean, a tremendous success story. Just the amount of people that live here that don't know about I IDT, yeah. it, right? And yeah. it's and it's this engine of, of such amazing growth and high paying jobs and you know, doing amazing things through COVID and, and those sort of things. It amazes me, you know, just the little bit of recognition that they get or, just, you know, it's this thing that's here, but we don't really know much about it. What, how, how can the corridor community support what you all are doing, follow what you all are doing, help champion what you guys are doing? What, what can just, what can the folks out here that care about the, the economy and the growth uh, do to, to help assist you guys and, and help you guys move forward? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that because that's actually one of the first things that folks can do is ask that question. Mm -hmm. um, because the opportunities are massive for significant economic growth within within the area, um, whether it's uh, you know the genetics you were talking about or um, uh, open loop right with uh, some of the healthcare and those kind of things. For us, um, the line I'd use is buy local. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like. Hey, everybody, uh, all the organizations in the corridor uh, worry, should worry then. I know they do worry about safety, security, risk, those kind of things. And so it's like 
hey, there's a solution there. You may not be aware of it yet. Let's let's become aware. Let's have that discussion, and then let's get you uh, get your security and safety there locally improved. So. Yeah. Start it here and, and let it you know, let it emanate out across the country and world. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's nice is you know we do have installations across the country, but uh, they all started here in Iowa. Most of uh, the highest penetrations here in Iowa. We're yeah. keeping local hospitals, local K twelves, local community colleges, local universities. You know, the list goes on. Safer, and that's what drives us. Um, you know, what's nice we we talk about. As an organization, we can do well by doing good, mm -hmm. right? Because without margin, there's no mission. Yep. And so we've got to get make sure the financial equation is sustainable and scalable uh, to then drive that mission. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, just a couple questions to wrap up here around around success, both for Intellisee as a business and you personally. What what does Intellisee what does success look like for Intellisee five years from now, ten years from now? What what is the the goal, as you guys talk about, we're we're standing there, we're we're throwing some champagne on everybody, and we're we're toasting success for Intelsi, which especially someone uh, like yourself, Scott. You know, you're you're at this you know stage of your professional career. I mean, what a an amazing opportunity to be able to lead the charge on on something like this with the, with the tidal wave of AI behind you, helping you go forward, and with a mission that you obviously care a lot about. That's important for society. What does success look like? Is is that a you know, you're on Wall Street ringing the bell. Is that some huge, you know, you know, getting acquired? I mean, or is that growing it here in the in the corridor and employing 500 people? Like, what is, what does that look like for you all? Have you have you talked much about that? Yeah, yeah, we do, um, and it, a lot of it's because we're objective oriented, right? So you have to know the hill that you want to climb in order to go climb it. Yep, you know the game you're playing, right? Exactly, right? So um, I'll tell you what it's not, and this might surprise you, uh, and we do talk about this as a board because and you've been on the receiving end of pitches and given pitches and those kind of things. Most of the time, you know, folks will ask you, well, what's your end game? What's, what's success look like? And what they're asking is what's your exit strategy? Yep. Okay. Um, what we're building from the business side is we're trying to create as many options as possible so that we're prepared when we really face that decision. And that spectrum can be what I'll call a build and hold. Mm -hmm. Right. Where there's some very large, very successful privately held companies operating here in Iowa that are doing a ton of very good things for the, the community of society and those things. On the other end of that spectrum would be, OK, build it and then flip it and exit to a strategic acquirer, those kind of things. Yep. And then in between would be IPO and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. to, to say today that in five years we're going to exit, we don't think that way. We want to be prepared for the options. But. All of those paths require that we have a successful business. Yep. And that's what we're doing too. Yep. Then our definition of success is actually different too, is and, and forgive me if I get emotional on this. If we prevent one of these gosh darn shootings, mm -hmm. then everything will have been worth it. Yeah. You've created everything. something essential, right? Then that's yeah, yes. it's, it's hard to hard to trump that. Yes, and, and we know we're doing good already, um, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. I mean, we've stopped thefts, we've stopped uh, fights, we've stopped um, uh, falls and all leaks and buildings and those kind of things. Those are very important because that's how organizations pay for our service from the savings of those. Yeah. But really, again, back to our motivation and our mission, that's, that's how we define success. Yeah, that's awesome. And then just the, the last question for you personally, how – how would you define success in one sentence? How would you define it? 
now, um, and forgive me because I get long-winded, but I think we're already successful. I personally think I'm already successful because we took the risk. You know, we use that line, we have the audacity to think we can make the world safer, but that takes risk. That takes jumping off the cliff, not knowing what's at the bottom of the cliff. And is it a is it a fun ride because you've got some wings that you're going to fly off on or you're going to hit the bottom? Yeah. And it's not the jumping, it's the landing that hurts you, right? right. So, um, but but to be able, and, and I credit all of it, the board, the team, um, all of us, for jumping together. Yep. And that takes a lot of courage. And it's not easy. I mean, you know this, uh, your listeners know this. They're the I'm so sleep deprived right now. <laughs> Every day is elation down to stress and depression, that incredible yeah. roller coaster ride. But my goodness, what a ride and yep. enjoy every moment of it. And yeah. to me, that's success, personal success. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Building building something worthwhile is never easy, right? So it's, uh, yeah. it, we're, we're all here cheering it on. It's, it's, a, it's a really awesome uh, success story, even at its stage right now. And I know there's, you know, bigger bigger and grander hopes in terms of growing and building the company, but uh, it's, it's exciting to watch and keep keep up the good work. We'll, we'll all be uh, paying, paying a bunch of attention and rooting you all on. Thank you so much, Nate. We yep. really appreciate it. So. Yep. Thanks, Scott. My thanks to Scott Keplinger for coming onto the show to talk about his real success. Learn more about what Intellisee is up to by visiting Intellisee.com. That's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-S-E-E.com. And of course, I'd also like to thank our good friends at Midwest One Bank for sponsoring this podcast. Learn more and experience simply better banking at MidwestOne.Bank. And this podcast is produced by Upload Media Group, located right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, visit UploadMediaGroup.com. And of course, if you enjoy this show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your podcast platform of choice. It helps us to continue to develop and grow. Real Success with Nate Kading is a Corridor Media Group podcast. For more information, visit CorridorBusiness.com. Thank you.